Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm your host, Nara Wang, and my guest in episode 65 is one of the best at covering college football across all forms of media. Bruce Feldman is a reporter on television for Fox Sports, a writer for the athletic website, and a New York Times bestselling author to boot. Bruce, so thrilled that you could join me on the Everything USC podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. If you enjoy listening to this show, please subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and more. Or go right to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. To find me, I am on Twitter. Find and follow me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Bruce, where are all the places that people can catch up with you? The main place is actually just on my Twitter account, which is at Bruce Feldman CFB, at Bruce Feldman CFB, as well as people can check me out on the Big Noon kickoff show on Fox on Saturday mornings if we are on the West Coast, which I'm assuming most of our listeners are right now. We would come on at 7 a.m. That shows on from 7 to 9 a.m. Pacific on Saturday mornings before our big, big game. Or else, check me out on The Athletic. That is the place where I write. And so I appreciate that. appreciate the plug. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, where you'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. After escaping Corvallis with a hard-fought win in a defensive struggle with Oregon State the week before, the Trojans returned home to the Coliseum to face the struggling Arizona State Sun Devils, and things kind of returned to how they'd been over the first three games of the season. The offense jumped out to a quick lead, while the defense looked shaky over the course of the first half, and USC only had a 21-17 lead at halftime. But the D tightened up in the second half, and the Trojans would win 42-25, reaching the 40-point mark for the fourth time in five games after having only three such games the previous two seasons. Caleb Williams, another good game for him, 27-37, 348 yards, three touchdowns in the air, added eight carries for 44 yards and a touchdown on the ground to start off the scoring for the Trojans. He did, however, throw his first interception as a Trojan, the first turnover of the season by USC. Travis Dye, another solid effort, 13 carries, 62 yards, and two short touchdown runs. Jordan Addison, after only having three catches against Oregon State, 
bounces back with eight catches and 105 yards, although it was his first game without a touchdown as a Trojan. The defense had five sacks, and Kalen Bullock comes up with an INT to even out the turnover margin in the game for USC. Arizona State's quarterback, Emory Jones, held the 243 yards, passing, had a touchdown, and that interception by Bullock. X Valade start off pretty good running on the ground for the Sun Devils. 13 carries, 64 yards, and a touchdown is what he ended up with. Total offense, USC 485 yards to just 331 for ASU. So, Bruce Feldman, based on what you've seen so far, are the Trojans better than what you expected them to be going into the season? A little. You know, I think their offense has been dynamic, which we expected because you're adding not just a really talented quarterback, but the nation's top receiver in Jordan Addison. I think one of the most underrated players in Travis Dye. I mean, he accounted for like 1,600 yards last year and a bunch of touchdowns. He's very mature. I think he has been even better than advertised. Defensively, you know, I hesitate on your question just a little bit because, you know, I I work with Colin Coward and he's telling everybody that this is like a playoff slash almost like a national title contender. And I just don't think the defense has the kind of personnel that really can get into that part of the discussion. The part which has been which has been encouraging for USC, although I don't know how, you know, it's hard for this to hold up is the turnovers they forced. You know, Alex Grinch has always preached it, did it at Washington State, really harped on it, harped on it at Oklahoma. They didn't come like they've already come at USC. But you then you see other, you know, sides of it where they got really gashed by Stanford in that game by not a great team. You know, they've had their, you know, I thought they were going to just absolutely throttle Arizona State, and that didn't happen, right? You know, I think we're seeing some injury issues in their banged up up front. And I'm curious to see how it keeps going. I mean, Oregon State gave them everything they had and threw some wrinkles at them and USC struggled with it, right? But I think a lot of USC teams would have lost that game and they didn't. They found a way to win. So I'm interested to see what happens this weekend because I think Washington State probably matches up better with them than most of these other teams have. They can get after the quarterback. They have good defensive ends. They get pressure. Deion Henley, who they beat USC for as a transfer from Nevada, he's an L.A. kid. He's a big-time defensive player and a playmaker. And, you know, Cam Ward has spent a bunch of time in this system. He came from Incarnate Word with Eric Morris, the Washington State offensive coordinator. And they have a bunch of guys who they're not going to be rattled. And I think they would love to play in a shootout if it gets to that point. So I'm curious to see how this one plays. I know, I know what the spread is. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington State, you know, had them on the ropes for a little while. And we are definitely going to talk more about that matchup against Wazoo coming up. What is one thing you would say that maybe people aren't thinking about, but USC fans should maybe be worried about despite the good start so far? I think you got to be worried a little bit about when you lean so much on getting turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I feel like that covers up a lot of things. Like I watched that Stanford game, and if they're not getting the turnovers in the red zone, that game feels like it's like a 59-52 kind of game. And again, Stanford doesn't have that much firepower, right? These are not really dangerous teams that we're talking about who've been on the schedule so far. Oregon State's best weapon, Luke Musgrave, their tight end, he's out for a while. He wasn't in the game. So I, I think that that is concerning. Just 
I think it's honestly, it's a little bit of a reality check when you know what the personnel they have on defense is. I think they're getting a lot out of those guys. But, you know, when I, I know on our big noon kickoff show after week two, you know, I work with Reggie Bush and Matt Liner, who are obviously Trojan greats. And when the question came up in our production meeting, is USC back? They were so excited about the offense. And I'm just kind of like wincing because I'm thinking, you know, I covered those USC teams that they were on. and Yeah, they were super explosive. They also had, you know, Mike Patterson on the D-line and Sean Cody and were better on the back end, right? And so, you know, that's the part where I'd say like, okay, this is good that they've been fun to watch and the offense has been as advertised, if not better, under Lincoln Riley. And there's, there's an identity forming, but it's just the defense. That's the part that I, I think you got to be really leery of as the season keeps going. I think that's what everyone expected, and that's why that Oregon State game was so surprising that it was the D that actually won them that game, really, when you break that game down in Corvallis. So, in your opinion, is USC properly ranked at number six in the country right now? Yeah, I think so, and here's why. I think you look at what we expected coming into this year. There was a lot of confidence in Alabama and Ohio State. Georgia, they had a lot of pieces to move. And then certainly Clemson, you, know, you weren't sure where DJ was going to be. And I think those four teams to me are are the strongest. But then after you get past that, right, Michigan has been impressive. Their offense has been really good. I don't feel like it's a wow team, but then you're starting to pick some of the pieces apart. You know, after you get by USC, Oklahoma State, I'm not sure how good that defense is. Tennessee, same. Old Miss has played one team, you know, Penn State. And then you get into the one-loss teams. One of those one-loss teams in the top 12 is Oregon. They lost by like 50 out of the gate, you know? So I would say they are properly ranked. I mean, you have a batch of undefeated teams like in the mid-teens with TCU, UCLA, and Kansas. They've had to come a lot further from the preseason rankings. But, I, you know, I don't have a ton of confidence in them. I certainly don't have a lot of confidence in Syracuse when you're talking about another undefeated team. So. So I get why they're ranked in the top six. I mean, because they can hang their hat on a really explosive offense. And that is something that's going to get them out of a lot of tough situations, I think. This is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I am Nara Wang, joined today by Bruce Feldman, reporter for Fox Sports and a writer for the athletic website on college football. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, go to wherever you get your favorite podcast to subscribe, download, and rate it. Or go directly to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. On social media, I can be found on Twitter, at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Bruce, let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, just Bruce Feldman CFB on Twitter. And as I said, you can find all my writing for The Athletic at the top of my Twitter profile. Hi, Trojan fans. This is Lindsay Gottlieb, head coach of the USC women's basketball team. And you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Network. Fight on. Now let's take a deeper dive into the game coming up on Saturday, 4.30 p.m. start on Fox Sports and on the USC radio network flagship station, KABC 790 AM. It's going to be another home game for the Trojans against the Washington State Cougars who come in at 4-1 and one overall, 1-1 one and one in the Pac-12. They have defeated Idaho, the then number 19 ranked Wisconsin Badgers on the road in Madison. 
Colorado State and Cal in their last game. They lost a couple weeks ago in a heartbreaker against Oregon. And Jake Dickert, 7-4 and four record overall as the head coach, took over as the interim head coach last season after Nick Rolovich was let go for not getting vaccinated. USC leading the all-time series by a big margin, 61-10-4, not including that vacated win in 2005. And last year, despite all the struggles that USC had, they had their biggest win of the season in the Palouse at Pullman, 45-14. That was the game where Keaton Slovis got hurt on the first series, and true freshman Jackson Dart came in and had 391 yards passing, the most ever in a Trojan debut to go along with four touchdowns. Of course, neither of those two guys are Trojans any longer. And when you look at some of those key guys on offense for the Washington State Cougars, you already brought up the third-year sophomore quarterback, Cameron Ward, the transfer from Incarnate Word. He leads the Pac-12 in completions with 131, completing about 68.5% of his passes. 1,445 yards, 13 TDs, and 7 picks so far. They've got a fifth-year junior running back, Nakia Watson, who was a transfer from Wisconsin a couple years back, and he has 62 carries, 312 yards, and two touchdowns this season to go along with 12 catches out of the backfield for 141 yards and a score. A couple of good receivers leading the way for them. Fourth-year sophomore Donovan Ollie has 27 catches for 298 yards. And sophomore Dejan Stribling has 22 catches, 286 yards, and four touchdowns. On the other side of the ball, you brought up the Nevada transfer linebacker Dayon Henley. 44 tackles, 9.5 for loss, 4 sacks, leading the team in all of those categories. They have a 5th-year junior edge rusher Brennan Jackson. 19 tackles, 7.5 of those for loss, 2 sacks, and 3 quarterback hurries. and. A redshirt freshman, DB, Jaden Hicks, is actually the second leading tackler with 35, also has a sack and an interception this season. So when you look at that Washington State Cougar roster, Bruce, what do you think is going to give USC the most trouble? I think it's going to be the the pass rush that they can generate. As you mentioned, Brennan Jackson's really good. I think Henley is a playmaker. I don't think a lot of people outside of maybe Pullman realize just how good he is. I did a big story on Washington State this summer and talked to a lot of their coaches and their players, and they were raving about how good they thought he was. And they just have a lot of guys who can really make a lot of negative plays. And I think if you're USC, you got to be careful of this. those negative plays end up either leading to turnovers or those kinds of things. Because I think USC has been so dynamic on offense, but it's been, you know, they've really, really hung their hat on just scoring as much as possible. You're looking at it, the only game where they've been under 40 was that game in Corvallis. And other than that, it's been just lights out for that offense. So I think they could present some different kind of problems because they have some really, really good front seven talent. And that is going to be an issue that maybe USC hasn't had to deal with so far as they have racked up the points. In terms of what you've seen from Cameron Ward, obviously he was at the FCS level where he put up huge numbers in the Southland Conference. What do you think he's looked like so far in his transition to big time college football? He's been good, not great. I think, you know, he lit it up at the FCS level. I think there's been a little bit of transition to his new teammates. 
I expect him to respond well in this situation. I think he's, I think he's got the right temperament to have a big game. He's got a deep receiving core. I think the other thing that's like a, is an advantage for Washington state here is the offensive line coach at Washington state is Clay McGuire. Clay McGuire was the offensive line coach at USC. He knows that group. I mean, very well. He knows their strengths, their weaknesses. And I think while he, you know, didn't coach most of the skill guys or transfers, he knows the offensive line. And I think that's an insight that could give Washington State some help in terms of what they're going to deal with here. I mean, now it's, of course, the USC players know him, but I just think it's, you know, you have a lot of familiarity with these staffs because. Alex Grinch and McGuire know each other very, very well from their time in Pullman together when McGuire was there the first time. You know, Clay McGuire worked with Lincoln Riley and Dennis Simmons when they were all together, not just at Texas Tech, but then again at East Carolina. So Eric Morris and Dennis Simmons were together in Pullman and in Lubbock. Dennis, I think, and Lincoln both coached Morris, the OC, when he was a player at Texas Tech. So that adds to this is that familiarity piece would you have guys who are real core guys on both staffs. Yeah. And of course, SC having been an air raid team the last few years, they are going to be able to see that air raid that Washington state presents and have some familiarity with that as well. So what does the number six team in the country need to do to get this win for me? I think it's the same formula they've had jump out to that early lead, keep winning this turnover margin battle against wazoo this week what do you see as a key for usc to get the w i think they got to really take care of the football and especially you know this offensive line has been a little shakier now that it's had some injuries they have to protect caleb at all costs i think caleb has shown his wheels i think you want to be careful with him running too much just because you got to protect him it's not a knock on miller moss the backup but i just think you know, it's going to be a long season and this team is really, really leaning on its quarterback. I think that would, to me, the, is the biggest thing. You're going to face a team that can get pressure. I think they got to be smart with how, what Caleb does, get out of bounds, throw the ball away if you have to, but you just don't want him taking a lot of shots in this game. Now it's time to make our predictions for this game and on the season so far against my guests, I have a winning record. I've got six wins against three losses and four ties so far. To recap last week's picks that I had with Hode Rabino, the publisher of the Devil's Digest website covering ASU athletics, the players that we believed in, I took Jordan Addison. He went with Travis Dye. And you can tell me if you disagree here, but I'm going to call that one a wash because Addison went over 100 yards. Dye was held under 100 for the first time in three games, but he did get some short touchdowns to punch in for USC. So I'm calling that a tie there. In the game score, Hode nearly nailed it. He went 41-25 USC. I went 41-17. The final score, 42-25. So Hode gets the W against me there. And then in our prop bet, Nara's no doubter last week was that USC will have at least three sacks to bounce back from their zero sack game against the Beavers. And I was correct. They had five sacks total. Hode Hedges was what he called his prop bet. He said that X Valade would rush for at least 100 yards and he did not held the 64. So another week of me tying my guess. It's three straight weeks now that we've split. And so 
Bruce Feldman, we're going to start here with the players that we believe in, the best Trojan that we think is going to go off in this game. And for me, I'm going on the defensive side, always a risky pick when you're talking about the Trojans this season. But I think Eric Gentry, the middle linebacker, the Arizona State transfer, is the player I believe in for USC. Who do you got, Bruce? I'm going to go with Travis Dye. He's had some big games as a receiver against Washington State in his Oregon days. I think he will be ultimately a difference maker here for the Trojans in a closer game. So again, another one of my guests taking Travis Dye. You are the fourth in six weeks, Bruce, to pick. We all like the mustache, I think. Yeah. So let's see. I I haven't taken Travis Dye yet, so I'm giving my guests that opportunity to take him. And so far, it's been a split. I've got one win. I've got a loss, and then the tie last week. So we'll see how you do this week there with the players that we believe in. And in the game score, I'll let you go first, Bruce. I should mention that our sponsor, Bet Online, currently has USC as a 13-point favorite as we record this show on a Wednesday evening. So, Bruce, who's winning and what's the score going to be? I will take the score to be USC winning 40-32. to 40-32 to 32 USC. So, a high-scoring affair, but close, and USC not covering the spread. So. That's what Bruce has. For me, I've got it 38-24 USC. So just barely covering the current spread of 13 points. I've got two touchdown victory for USC in this one. And now it's time for the always entertaining prop bet. Mine is called Nara's No Doubter. This is where we guarantee something that's going to happen in the game. Could be very simple. Could be very interesting and something that you have to keep an eye out for during the game. For me, this week's Nara's No Doubter is that USC will have its first lost fumble of the season. They had their first interception last week by Caleb Williams, and now I think they're going to lose a fumble this week, and so that could make it interesting during the game. I think, obviously, SC's going to overcome it, but Nara's No Doubter, USC will have its first lost fumble of the season. Bruce, what is yours, and what name are you giving it? I'll just call it Bruce's big guess, and that would be that for the first time this season, USC will give up over 30 points in a game. I feel like it was heading towards this direction a couple of times, and when I look at both Arizona State and Stanford, they're both really limited, but they came close. I think Washington State has the firepower to do it. Like It wouldn't surprise me if they even went more than 32, to be honest. All right, so... Kind of doubling down on your game score prediction. I like it, Bruce. So to recap our predictions for this week, the players we believe in, I'm going with the linebacker, Eric Gentry. Bruce Feldman, continuing a theme by my guest, taking the running back, Travis Dye. For the game score, I have it 38-24 for the Trojans. Bruce with a 40-32 USC victory. And in our prop bets, Nara's no doubter. USC will have its first loss fumble of the season. And Bruce's big guess is that this will be the first game that USC gives up at least 30 points to an opponent this year. So keep an eye out on that as you're watching the game. And we'll see how we do as I continue on trying to beat my guess and predictions throughout this 2022 season. And of course, you are listening to the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang. My guest is a reporter for Fox Sports, and a writer for the athletic website covering college football. He's also a best-selling author. Bruce Feldman joins me today on the Everything USC podcast. 
which you can find wherever you find your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and more. Subscribe, download, and rate it. Or go right to the website, Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. On social media, at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. For me, I'm on Twitter at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Bruce, how can the people catch up with you? Just go to my Twitter feed at, at Bruce Feldman CFB, at Bruce Feldman CFB. This is Roxy Bernstein, play-by-play broadcaster for ESPN and the Pac-12 Network, and you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on Believe. And finally, I've been finishing off every show of my guests to get their reaction and opinions about the decision by USC and UCLA to move to the Big Ten beginning in 2024. And, of course, the news breaking on the final day of June this summer. And you're dialed in as much as anyone in the world of college football. How surprising was the news to you? And when did you start hearing about the possibility of this happening? Uh, it was very surprising to me. I was caught off guard by it just because it was such a big shift. These two programs are so tied to what is now the Pac-12. Geographically, it's a little bit of a head scratcher for all the sports, I think. I get the money piece of this. For me, it was really something I started hearing a little bit about, but really it was in the wake of John Wilner's tweets about it and that you know, then I started making some calls and it was definitely a real thing. I'm interested to see how this plays out just because I think the travel piece of it for in the football side, particularly, I think I'm about 18, 19, 20 year olds. I could see some games where you're like, how did USC and UCLA lose to this, like to this opponent? Well, maybe if it's the third long trip, I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, Nebraska from Los Angeles isn't that much further than the trip to Seattle. Well, that's one of the longest trips you're going to make in the Pac-12. This is going to be the shortest trip you're going to make in the Big Ten. And then the other sports, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it comes together and how they manage the travel part of it. I'm sure logistically, the partners will do everything they can to make it as manageable as possible. But it is an interesting move. And obviously, TV dollars are driving it. And I'm curious to see how it comes together. Yeah, I think... It's all driven by the TV money, and based on the financials, obviously you can see why they would want to do it, and football plays once a week, so the travel part, while it's not going to be great if you're traveling far east to Rutgers and Penn State and Maryland, it's still just one game a week, but like you said, in those other sports where you're playing multiple games a week, it's going to be interesting to see how they work in the travel. And, of course, they like to refer to everybody as a student athlete. So how are they going to be going to classes mostly over Zoom, kind of like how we're recording this podcast right now? So in the end, do you think this is the right decision by USC to make this move? Uh, I want to see how it starts to play out because, again, I think the travel component, I'd always heard from people who work at Notre Dame how hard it is to manage changing time zones and everything else. Like, I don't think this is quite the dynamic that Hawaii deals with in terms of, you know, almost every road trip they take is a really, really long, exhausting one. But I don't think that that's as insignificant as, you know, just, hey, their college kids will be able to bounce back. I think so much of it, yes, you can do classes on Zoom for a lot of that. I just think that the long trips, 
even if it's really three long trips, it's still different than what they've had before. But I think what you looked at was how viable was the Pac-12 from a resource standpoint compared to the SEC and the Big Ten. And I think that's really, it was like the two LA schools couldn't afford not to do it. I think they felt from a financial standpoint. And last question for you. What is this going to do to the Pac-12? How does it survive by losing USC and UCLA? I think it's got to hope it sticks together and doesn't lose Oregon and Washington, especially. If it doesn't, I think, you know, if they're looking at, hey, do we add San Diego State to get a Southern California market back in? It's still a loss. But I think, you know, there's still some really strong athletic programs across the board. It's just you're losing the L.A. market. You're losing your flagship school. You're losing. I mean, look at UCLA's history. It's got, you know, it's John Wooden's basketball program and some legendary athletes from, you know, start with Jackie Robinson, but it just goes on down the list. I mean, that's a lot for the Pac-12 to lose. I mean, it's to me, this is a lot more significant Texas and OU leaving the Big 12 because the Big 12 doesn't have the history the Pac-12 did. And so from that standpoint, I mean, it's reeling. And now it's just, you got to, if you're them, you got to hope that the other, you know, big brand schools that are left, they're not as big as the two LA schools, but you have to hope that they don't fail. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if there is any further reorganization of the college football landscape in the next couple of years before SC and UCLA make this move in 2024. Bruce, it's been great getting your insight and knowledge on today's Everything USC podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the conversation. For my guests, Bruce Feldman, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 65 of the Everything USC podcast, presented by Bet Online on Believe, the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as always, I end every show with a fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.